Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. No Harry Yeed, I'm afraid, for this, the Italian Grand Prix preview. We've got back-to-back races out of the summer break. Max Verstappen looking to beat the record currently set by Sebastian Vettel for most number of consecutive wins. Um, the Italian Grand Prix, though, Templar Speed, could it throw up a surprise? Sam, do you know what Harry's doing? Uh, I do, but I'm actually not going to give it away on the podcast. So I'm going to make it up that he's fulfilled his podcast quota for the month. And now he is abseiling in Peru. Peru? Yes. Just him and Paddington Bear. Him and Paddington Bear having a great time in Peru. Sure. I haven't got a better answer than that, so I am going to run with that too. Um, don't worry though, folks. He'll be back at the weekend probably. So at some point. Actually, maybe shouldn't commit to that. No, it's a bad idea. Um, we've got plenty to discuss without him, don't you worry. Um, we're going to be doing our under-pressure uh, submissions a little bit later on. Who is desperately in need of a result come this Italian Grand Prix? Liam Lawson is standing in for Daniel Ricciardo once more and will continue to do so until the Australian is fit again be discussing how he might get on but we're going to start with our preview out front now Red Bull have been pretty good this season and odds are they probably will continue to be pretty good this weekend um that's a pretty safe bet I would imagine but one team that we want to focus on here and we have sort of mentioned this once or twice in the build-up to this race is is Williams so Williams are They've had some encouraging results this year. They had P8 at Zandvoort via Alex Alban. They were in a good spot in Australia earlier in the season as well. They've had a P7 at Austria. So there are one or two results that are encouraging. 
They've had good straight line speed all year long. Of course, no better place to show off that straight line speed than Monza. Sam, would it be crazy to see a Williams fighting for a podium this weekend? Uh... Yeah, I still think it's crazy, but I think it's on the more plausible, possible side of crazy. I know Alex Albon came out and said after, well, during Zanvor, after his qualifying session, we're not just straight line speed merchants anymore, which is a great quote. The fact that a Formula One driver is calling himself a straight line speed merchant is hilarious. Um, if it weren't for Otmar's quote about babies, that would be my quote of the year. <laughs> yeah that's nothing's ever beaten that quote that might be quote of the decade to be honest um but my point is here that's not all they're good at they clearly are as you listed in your examples at the start australia and zangvort both downforce heavy in a lot of areas of the circuit and they produced results i mean logan Sargent, despite having an unfortunate end to his weekend at the dutch grand prix last time out he did very well in his qualifying session, first time into Q3, and that means that every single driver on the grid has entered Q3 this year, uh, apart from Liam Lawson and Daniel Ricciardo, I think. But, I mean, we're not counting them, right? Sure. Let's not count them or, or Nick DeVries. No, we're going to ignore that he exists, unfortunately, for that stat. My point is, every full-time driver that's currently been on the grid has made an appearance in Q3. And that, if you cast your mind back the last few years for Williams, seemed, seemed like an impossibility. It seemed like it was never going to happen at one point. They were struggling so far away that the idea of them qualifying fourth place, let alone 10th place, seemed like a miracle for them. But they've started to do it. Now, Alex Albon came out and said, as I mentioned, that we are not just straight-line speed merchants. But for him to make that comment, it means at one point, they need to be straight-line speed merchants. Now, they haven't just forgotten how to go quickly in a straight line. They haven't forgotten all the characteristics of the car that made them good in a straight line. And I don't see why they wouldn't now look to deploy those characteristics, those strengths, those abilities that the car may have in their wing format, in their setups. Of course, they'll have to have changed some of their concept generally to fit the more downforce heavy circuit. So drag might be slightly more of a problem than it was. But I don't think the characteristics of the car are so ridiculously otherworldly different that they haven't got such strengths going down a straight line. So can they get a podium at Monza? In a realistic world, I don't think so. I think if you look at the way that Red Bull utilised DRS in their rear wing, I think that they'll qualify so strongly this weekend that it's going to be very difficult to maybe break into those top two spots. And I would expect Sergio Perez to come second here. Um, also, Ferrari, incredibly good at the very high power circuits. Look at where they were at Austria and at Canada. Um, Red Bull came out and said both times that the Ferrari was actually the fastest car on the grid this time around and both those races. And McLaren as well are no longer the dragmeisters. They're no longer slow as balls. They can put the pedal to the metal and go fast in a straight line. So some real competition from, you know, the front running teams. But I think this is by far their best opportunity to get both cars in the points. I would not actually be shocked to see Alex Abel finish sixth or above. I genuinely think it's a realistic opportunity for them to score a minimum of six to eight points this this race weekend and really separate themselves from that back end of the grid. Of course, they're a little bit further ahead now of the likes of Haas and Alfa Romeo, but I think they can really solidify themselves as that seventh place team in front of Alfa Tauri as well, if it all goes to plan here. Ben, what do you think? I think, is it a possibility? It was a possibility at Zanvoort. 
And the the wet race or the the wet dry wet race as it was was enthralling for many reasons. But actually, I would have been very intrigued to see how that race would have played out if we were if we were looking at a dry race entirely, because I don't know how that would have worked out for Alex Alban. Certainly, he started fourth place, and I think he had comparable pace to the likes of the McLarens, the Mercedes, the Aston Martins. I'm not saying he was quicker than them, but he he was comparable to them. In which case, it might have been very difficult for the likes of, I don't know, Lewis Hamilton trying to come through the field or um, trying to think of other drivers that started behind him. Fernando Alonso started behind him as well. It would have been really intriguing to see how many of those drivers actually would have been able to overtake Alex Albon at a circuit that, in theory, doesn't suit the car whatsoever. So yes, the strategy didn't quite play out for Alex Albon at Zanvo. It still got him four points, which for Williams is, is a good result. But I would have been really interested to see where he would have finished in a dry race. And again, it's not on a circuit that that suits the car. I actually think this was the most encouraging result for Williams in about six years. Genuinely the most encouraging result. Not it wasn't the best result they've had in that in that time frame. But if you're looking at other results they've had in that time, they've generally come where the car, you know, madness has happened. So as good as the Canadian Grand Prix was um, for Alex Albon, he did qualify higher than he should have done, and he was on an insane strategy. Here, I feel like they could have got a good result in any condition at a circuit that they don't suit, that doesn't suit them. So I think this was the most encouraging result that Williams have had in a long time. And actually, if we're talking about a podium here, technically speaking, the last time Williams had a podium was Belgium 2021 when George <laughs> Russell, quote unquote, finished second. But let's be realistic. The last time Williams actually had a podium was Lance Stroll in Baku all those years ago. Um, so it, you do have to go back a long way. I think they can fight for this. Whether they can get it or not is another question, but I think they will be in the fight. And that... That trailing pack behind Red Bull, at least at Zandvoort, so, so close. So close. You had Aston Martin, McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, Alex Albon, all of those drivers in the mix. There wasn't a lot to separate them. So if Alex Albon can pull out something in qualifying, maybe it's on. Maybe it's on. I think actually one of the biggest reasons that will determine whether it's on or it's not on in terms of the podium will be the strength of DRS. How strong will DRS be at Monza? Because if it is strong, as good as that Williams is in a straight line, it is going to be difficult to keep cars behind. However, if it's not quite as powerful as we think it will be, maybe that absolute tea tray of a rear wing is going to help them out and they're going to they they're, they're going to stand a chance of, of going well in this grand prix. Um I think that could be a, an important factor but actually yeah I think it's on. I think you raise a really good point there of DRS you took the words right out of my mouth and not just Alex Albon trying to sit at the front of a queue. I think what has really elevated Albon over Sargent, but Williams generally, has been their know-how in the strategic department. They have pulled out some 
blinding strategies this year. It's gone under the radar a little bit, just how clever they've been with their tyre maintenance, when they pitted, how they've managed it. You saw that Alex Albon was the only person not to pit from those dry tyres under the wet conditions in Zandvoort. For the most part, it paid off. He fell back very little in comparison to all the others that were around him in that top flight. So if they can sit maybe second in the DRS queue behind a car that is more comfortable through corners and get towed back up again behind the back of them, let's say, um, let's say Charles Leclerc is in third and Alex Albon has managed to get into fourth place. If he can sit and wait comfortably behind the Ferrari, who's going to be faster through the corners and then come back up again, every single straight, the slipstream yeah. and DRS, he can maintain a fourth place. Up until then, you maybe go for a last-minute undercut. You then break the DRS by a couple of seconds by having a great outlap, which that Williams around Monza is capable of doing, and you might be able to leapfrog yourself into third. I think you're right, Ben, when you say it's not expected that they will get it, but it's expected that they should fight for it when it comes to Monza. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they finish ninth and 10th because of how close McLaren, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and seemingly Alex Albon is. But at the same time, I also wouldn't now be shocked if Alex Albon finishes fifth place. It wouldn't blow my mind away. As much as it would be a great drive, I could see it happening. So DRS is going to be a huge deciding factor. I also think that they need to get a little bit lucky with maybe a reliability issue because we're not seeing a lot of those at the front sure. of the grid anymore, right? Cars are so reliable. You look at the Red Bulls, how have they both been so consistently good at the very front of the grid that no reliability issues have hamstrung them into not winning a race so far? I think one is coming, not just for Red Bull, but maybe for a Mercedes or a Ferrari. I think someone is going to get hit by this. It's such a difficult track for the engine i wouldn't be surprised if we see a blowout from one of the teams during this race if they if it's not them and they could take advantage i wouldn't be shocked to see album fourth or fifth on a great day and hopefully which i know we're going to move on to maybe logan Sargent gets into some points because that would be very encouraging for him that is exactly the next question how crucial is it that logan Sargent finds his way into the points obviously none on the board at the moment it was a mixed bag at Zamvort. made Q3 for the first time, crashed twice as well, although we think that the second one wasn't necessarily his fault. How important is it for his prospects of a seat next year? Is it that he finds his way into the top 10? So I'm going to give Logan Sargent's Zamvort weekend a, a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because of his rookie status. I'm going to believe that his accident in Zamvort was a, I think it was a break by wire failure is what they've come out and said. Sure, I'll, I'll accept what the team has said. He's a rookie. We're not seeing these kind of straight into the wall crashes a lot from him. If he is having a crash, it's more of a, the back end is slipping out and he's going into the wall kind of thing. The qualifying one, on the other hand, entirely his own. I think it was very silly, very scruffy from him. But generally, the weekend was promising. Now, do I think it is the end of the world for, for Logan Sargent to not score points or to score points at Monza? No. And a lot of it depends on if the car genuinely is capable. I know we're giving it a lot of hype. I know we're giving it a lot of chat that it could possibly achieve it. But if Alex Albon is realistically fighting for fifth or sixth place, I see no real reason why Logan Sargent should be any further down than 10th or 11th, really. You know, four or five cars between him during the race, try and make a couple of good moves or a good strategy call. One point would be amazing. It will lift him up. It will lift the team up. It will put a belief into him uh, that the t- from the team, from the fans, from people like us who obviously discuss the sport generally. If he finishes somewhere as low as 13th or 14th while Alex Albon's in the top five, 
it's it's looking more like the raw talent isn't there. Because you look at what Liam Lawson was capable of doing. Again, we're going to speak more on Liam Lawson. I know that someone messaged us on Patreon. Um, they were quite grumpy that we didn't do a proper segment on Liam Lawson about Zangfort. So we will get onto him. Um, my point here is Liam Lawson beat Yuki Sangoda. Liam Lawson picked up a time penalty, which I don't think was his own fault due to a pit stop error, and was still able to hang onto the back and beat a lot of cars around him. I haven't seen Logan Sargent do something unexpected with the car yet. I haven't seen him outdrive the car. I haven't seen him, his, his performance shock me and go, oh, I didn't think the Williams was capable of that today, but there he is. He's right there. Great job. And that's the mark of a rookie that maybe has talent for years to come. And you saw it with Charles Leclerc before he moved to Ferrari. He was regularly outdriving that Sauber. And that's why in 2019, as much as I was a little bit overly zealous with my predictions, and I said that he would become the world champion. That was more of the Ferrari's capability rather than Charles Leclerc. I did also say he would beat Sebastian Vettel. And he proved me right. He beat Sebastian Vettel. I'm not seeing the same things to say that if he's there next year and that Williams is, let's say, the fourth best car on the grid, could he beat Albon over a season? Don't think so. But he needs to be within a couple of cars at the finish line to realistically give his hopes of a second year a strong chance. I think it'd be harsh to write him off straight after this race, but he needs the morale lift. He needs the public behind him. So he needs to get a strong result at the one track that, in, if we're going to be brutally honest, suits this Williams down to the T. And if he can't do it, like Nick DeVries did last year, it sold him a seat because of how well he did. He needs to do it this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, the very, I, I guess it's quite an American thing, but you, you know, the, the, the stereotypical like calendar on the wall and you've got the red marker to properly circle around a date. Graduation day. The, graduation day, right? Monza Sunday is graduation day for Logan Sargent. And he should have had this on his calendar for the last five months because we could see this coming a mile away that this was always going to be the race where he needs to perform here. He's going to have, a, he's going to have an opportunity to do well. And it's about whether he can seize it or not. And look, I said Logan Sargent, he was my under pressure submission for Zanvor. He might be under even more pressure here at Monza. I, I, in fact, I think he definitely is because we've now got to a circuit where a driver who, let's face it, wasn't good enough in the first half of the season, got cut from Alpha Tauri, got points here in his first outing for Williams last year. Like Nick DeVries got ninth place. Now... If Logan Sargent turns up and is outside of the points comfortably, whereas Alex Alban is in the points comfortably, that is not a good look. And I, I'm i not saying that it's a final nail in the coffin. I don't think it's quite that severe yet. But if he doesn't perform here, it is increasingly difficult to see the path to success for him. And it's not just the Logan Sargent-specific problem. I think it's a problem. A, a problem might not even be the right word, but it's... The situation now is there are too many good drivers coming through F2 and developmental for drivers to spend too long getting to grips with F1. That's what we saw with Nick DeVries. It might well be what we see with um, with, with Logan Sargent as well. There are too many drivers who are in and around the top 10 of F2 who are desperate to have a shot in Formula 1 to the point where Previously, maybe you get three years to get used to the sport. Maybe you get two. We're now increasingly seeing you don't get that time. It might not be fair, but that's the reality of the situation that is developing. And 
I, I think he, he realistically needs to find a way into the top 10. If he doesn't, I'm starting to worry for him. Well, bold prediction. What have you got, Sam? There is a part of me that wants to just say that Max Verstappen won't win. Um, because I feel like every month, every week, every race that we predict this, it gets kind of more and more bold. And I did see a statistic, like I'm sure as the stat man yourself, you know this, that something yep. like the last four or five race winners in Monza have DNF'd the next time they've gone to Monza. Um, yeah, and obviously Verstappen right. won Monza last season. Um, so you know what? I'm going to say that tradition will uphold, but I'm going to go for a two-parter. Because, of course, I wouldn't oh, take the easy point. done it. Um, so I think Verstappen won't win the race and Alex Albon will finish in the top six. Love a two-parter. Nothing quite like it. Before I give my bold prediction, you'll be glad to hear, folks, that Harry is at least making a very temporary appearance on this week's episode. He has submitted his bold prediction and indeed his poll one, two, three. Let's get to his bold prediction, if indeed the soundboard wants to play ball. All right, geezers. I hope you're well. Uh, listeners, sorry for not being there. And well, I'm sure Ben and Sam have made up some ridiculous excuse, but contrary what? to popular belief, <laughs> I'm not on holiday. So you can, you know, wipe that off your list of excuses for me for this one. Paragliding. Um, my bold prediction for the Italian GP this weekend is that there's going to be a Williams on the podium. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's spicy. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm going to make it specific like Ben the Moron did last week with Alpine. I'll just <laughs> keep it to Williams. It's probably going to be album, but I'm not going to say that. Bye. Well, I guess he's managed to kill two birds with one stone there in that he's answered the the original question we put in this first topic and he's given his bold prediction. It's incredibly um, consolidated for Harry as well. Usually he likes to beat around the bush and not make a true point. And now this time he's answered the question. He thinks it's also bold, but it is plausible. All in about 30 seconds. You know the way Harry is, though, that even if he was on this episode and I asked him the question, can he make it? Can they make it to the podium? He'd still sit on the fence. Even though it's his bold prediction, he'd still, he'll still find a way. Yeah, he'll give a three-minute answer that no one really knows what the point is, and then we'll get to the next question, what's your bold prediction, and go, will he lose podium? Uh, I am going for something close to the opposite of what you've got, Sam, in that you are banking on Max Verstappen not doing very well. I'm banking on him doing even better than people think he might. And I'm relating here to qualifying. I think that a traditional, very close qualifying session, Max Verstappen is going to get pole position by at least 0.5 seconds. So half a second clear at Monza. Yeah. There's only three corners you can gain at Monza. That's why it's bold. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I also enjoy that you'll be wrong as early as Saturday. So that's fun. Yeah. I, I've realised actually with bold predictions, it's just easier to get them wrong on the Saturday than, you know, you're kind of consigned to your fate and you don't have to worry about it on Sunday. Yeah, it's like heartbreak. You'd rather they throw a pie in your face on the first date rather than drag it out for three years and find out she's been cheating the entire time. Exactly. I can't deal with, with Esteban Ocon again on a Sunday. <laughs> Poll one, two, three. I'll tell you what, let's hear from Harry. What have you got? My pole one, two, three, pole position, Max Verstappen, obviously. The win, Max Verstappen. Uh, do you think we should just start doing 
two, three predictions now because pole and the win are just Max Verstappen. Anyway, pole, Max Verstappen, the win, Max Verstappen. Second place is going to go to Sergio Perez and then third place, Alex Albon. <laughs> oh, God. Good luck, Harry. Um, yeah, he's got a good point. Maybe we should do two, three, four predictions from now on. Fourth places don't get enough of enough of a mention on this show. No. De facto podium. Um, I am not very far away from Mr. Reed's prediction in that I have, it'd be funny if I didn't have Verstappen on pole, but I do have him on pole position after my pole prediction. Um, I've also got him taking the win. I have got Sergio Perez in second place as well, but I will give Ferrari a home podium and I will give um, Chonza Le Monza um, third place. <laughs> That's, that's Leclerc for anyone who's wondering. For anyone new, we like to make his name very different every single time. It's getting a bit silly now. Uh, the first few at least kind of resembled his name. Now it's just whatever we're, we're going to in terms of a circuit. Um, what have you got? My go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say pole Max Verstappen. The wing will go to Charabolica Lecrobolica. Um, nice. which is Charles Leclerc and Parabolica, which is the final corner name. Uh, folks, you should know that in German, if you translate Parabolica, I think it means big satellite, which is a, which is bizarre, but love it. Uh, the wing, Ferrari home wing at Monza. Um, and then I think Sergio Perez will be second. And I think Carlos Sainz will be in third place. So, um, so no Verstappen on the podium, let alone no win. So remember that I spoke about that big blowout reliability. I'm, I'm really, Ooh, I'm, I'm not putting it, he will DNF as my bold prediction, but woohoo, big, big Leclerc go, big for supper blowout, um, would be ideal if it makes my prediction come true. Good stuff. So, um, no Verstappen win from Sam and Alex Alban podium for Harry. I've probably managed to get all that wrong as well. So just make sure you don't pay any attention to those predictions. We'll take a short break. We're going to be discussing Liam Lawson on the other side. That person's going to be very happy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, now we obviously saw Liam Lawson deputise for Daniel Ricciardo at the Dutch Grand Prix after Daniel Ricciardo suffered an injury to his hand. Um, Best wishes go out, obviously, to Daniel Ricciardo. He's hoping to get back in the car as soon as possible, but we do know that he definitely won't be back in the car for Monza, in which case Liam Lawson is going to step up and do a second race in F1. Sam, how much of an opportunity is it for Liam Lawson to stake his claim for an AlphaTauri seat in 2024? So we obviously, folks, if you're a regular listener, you know that we'll have the segment under pressure. And usually that goes to a driver that is, you know, has been struggling or it might go to a track or a team that's been struggling or needs to prove itself or needs to step up. And I generally think that it couldn't be more the opposite this way round. But in terms of being under pressure... Liam Lawson is more so than probably any single other driver on the grid this weekend. Last weekend, he was not under any pressure at all. He had one free practice session. It was the shortest one, free practice three. And then, of course, he had to deliver in qualifying, which he qualified last. And we all shrugged our shoulders and went, he's had literally an hour in a car. It's, you know, you don't, and it's not even a good car. It's the Alpha Tauri. It's like the third slowest car on the grid. You expect him to be knocked out. And he was. And then it came race day. And I think we're all in agreement that as chaotic races go, if you're on a scale of Monaco this year, no, last year, sorry, to Canada 20, whatever it was, where Jinx and Butter won, it was much closer to the Canada scale of chaotic, right? He had everything thrown at him. Weather, red flags, there were safety cars on the track, there were cars falling off the track, and he got a penalty, not even down to his own fault, but down to the car releasing his car into the path of another, picking up a severe penalty, which he overcame and beat his own teammate. So as races go without pressure, nailed it, did a great job. That was almost like training day. That was kind of a, you know, free free bus pass. Now he's in the major leagues. Now it's kind of like first day at big school and you could get picked for the first team. You've got you to gotta start proving yourself from day one. He gets a full weekend in that car. I genuinely think that after a very solid performance, which he should be proud of, he does have to pick that up and go again. I don't think he gets a free pass. I don't think if he's trailing around in last place by five, 10 seconds, people go, oh, well, I think it will reflect badly on him. I think that is the ruthless world of Formula One, that you don't get a lot of time at all. As we mentioned with uh, Logan Sargent at the start of the podcast, you don't get a lot of time to make a good first impression. I don't think he needs to beat Yuki Sanoda, but I do think he needs to be right there with him. And he, he proved that he could be, in theory, at Zandvoort, right? For the race, generally, wasn't right next to him, but Sanoda's strategy wasn't great. Lawson's was better. Uh, Lawson stayed out of trouble. Sonoda didn't, had a few knocks with a couple of people. So whilst I think Sonoda put up a valid defence and overall had a very strong race, Liam Lawson managed to do it better and finished six places higher than Yuki Sonoda. So I think this is the one opportunity Liam Lawson gets to go, if you're booting Sergio Perez next year and someone's going to that Red Bull car, I'm filling that Alpha Tauri space. That I think in his mind, that is the passing of events that he wants to take place where he goes, Daniel or Yuki, don't care who, you go drive the Red Bull for a couple of years, I'll get myself in the Alpha Tauri seat and I'll be there till say 2026 when they go, 
this second driver that we've got, Yuki, is either going to not be good enough and goes to Aston Martin or whatever, we boot him. Or Daniel gets a bit too old. We don't want him anymore. Liam Lawson sets up. This is a prime, you know, this is a gimme. This is prime time opportunity. You do not get them much better than this. He does need to deliver. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, this opportunity, it's it's hard to understate how much of an opportunity Liam Lawson has here in that he is being an, uh, afforded an opportunity that nearly every other driver in F1 history has not had in that he has multiple races to trial or try out for a team. Very few drivers in the, in the history of F1 have ever got that. If you think there have been instances where rookie drivers or newer drivers have had an individual race stepping in for a driver, you know, Nick DeVries had that last year at Williams. Jack Aitken had that at Williams a couple of years ago. Um, Pietro Fittipaldi had that at Haas a couple of years ago. But it's very rare that we see a driver who has multiple races, which is really valuable to have that, you know, to be able to become one with the car. It's very rare that that ever happens. So he really needs to take this opportunity. Just to throw a comparison in, Felipe Drogovic very nearly found himself in the same situation at the beginning of this season, replacing Lance Stroll. Drogovic would have killed for this opportunity to show what he could have done. We speculated it at the time, back in March. You know, if Drogovic can get in that car, and if he is anywhere near the pace of Fernando Alonso, even though it is Lance Stroll and he is the son of the owner, it would be really difficult to go back to Lance Stroll if Drogovic over and outperformed that car. He never got that opportunity. Liam Lawson does have that opportunity now. Zanvoort, and I mentioned this in our qualifying review, Zanvoort was the perfect opportunity for Liam Lawson in that it was the complete imperfect opportunity, which sounds very weird, but because of everything that was going on, expectations were zero. He had absolutely no expectations going into the weekend. He was 1.2 seconds off Valtteri Bottas in 19th place in qualifying, and he was nearly two seconds off the pace of Yuki Tsunoda in qualifying. Both of those things, by the way, absolutely acceptable, but no one's going to throw shade at him for being that slow. Any other situation, including this weekend, he gets stick for that, but he doesn't get that at Zambor because it's his first opportunity because of all of the conditions that we've already mentioned. He had a free hit. He had a free pass. And now the pressure starts to turn on because we go from one almost extreme to the other in that Monza, as proven by Nick DeVries, is almost the the best way a rookie can get into Formula One in terms of getting up to speed as soon as possible. Now we get to see how that happens versus Yuki Tsunoda. And I think additional to that, he needs to use this opportunity because, and I mean this in the nicest way possible to Liam Lawson, his junior career is good. It, you could argue it's very good. It's not great. It's not if we're comparing it to 2023 rookies, his junior career was Logan Sargent and it wasn't Oscar Piastri. And I can say that because he raced against both of them quite regularly. In the, If you look at his sort of F3 and F2 stints, 2020, he was in F3, Liam Lawson, finished fifth place. Who did he finish behind? Oscar Piastri in first, Teo Porcher in second, Logan Sargent in third, and then Frederick Vesti in fourth. He graduates to F2 in 2021. He finishes ninth, which nearly everyone ahead of him was more experienced than him. But Oscar Piastri won that championship. Same level of experience. 
And then last year in F2, he finishes third. He is one point clear of Logan Sargent, who finishes fourth. So again, very comparable to Logan Sargent over the last few years. And he loses out to Drogovic and Teo Porcher. So, you know, he can look at Oscar Piastri and Oscar Piastri won two championships when Liam Lawson was in the same series. And he can look at Teo Porcher. Porcher was in the same series as Liam Lawson the last three years and Porcher's 3-0 against him. So he hasn't got that esteemed junior career where you can say to a team, you can't afford not to take me. So a lot of the time when it is, when you have a rookie career like him or Zhou Guan Yu or Logan Sargent, very similar sort of junior careers, you just need to be in the right place at the right time and you need to take advantage of that as soon as you get it. That's the pressure that's on Liam Lawson. He doesn't have that excellent junior career to fall back on to get that second shot. He has to take advantage now, I think. That's a really good point. And I think a lot of people who are new to Formula One maybe won't understand the history of the junior formulas. And you look at the ones that we always big up, you know, Lando, Norris, George Russell, and you look at how strong they were in their junior careers. And those two specifically have had some of the best junior careers of all time. Oscar Piastri is one of the few people that realistically mirrors the success there. And you put someone like Liam Lawson up against those people and think, is Liam Lawson realistically the next Max Verstappen? Or is he the next Mark Webber? And that's no disrespect to Mark Webber. Solid driver, got the job done when he needed to, great team player, not going to win world championships. So you're right. He has got one golden opportunity to sit there and go, I'm actually better than the numbers on paper give to me. Because his DTM career was fantastic, nearly won that on first time of asking. Obviously, there's a bit of a... Uh, a chaotic moment that took him out of the race in the final race. And then he's super formula, right? Before he got this call up leading the super formula championship in Japan, which is, you know, brilliant. First time of asking. So the guy can win. The guy can lead. I just wonder if the formula he's driving in has to suit him. And some drivers come alive in formula one. This might be better than for him than F2, than F3. He might find it so much more comfortable to deal with. I'd be surprised, but it might happen. Yeah. So you are right, Ben. He is needing to swim against the tide here to prove that he deserves a spot over Daniel Ricciardo potentially next year. And that is a big thing to do. Daniel Ricciardo is not a nobody. And I guess the case with Liam Lawson is he doesn't know how many races he has at this point. Monza could be his last race in that car. He, he It might stop at two. Equally, he might get a shot at Singapore. He might even get a shot at Japan. But you can't, if, if you're in Lawson's shoes, you can't bank on that. If, if you get Singapore and Japan as well, if Ricardo's not back in time for those two, which is entirely possible, it's a bonus. But he just has, I think he has to go in with the mindset that this is my last opportunity to prove myself for next year's seat. Because then, you know, if he gets another shot, great. He, he gets to display it even more. But he's not left disappointed at the, something he left on the table. Can, can I ask a hypothetical question? We're very good at that here. Yeah, it's our podcast. We do what we want. Um, let's say Sergio Perez has another stinker in Monza. Liam Lawson does a very good job and Red Bull have the faith in Daniel Ricciardo that they've always had. What do you do with the Red Bull family going into 2024? I, I, I think... I think they keep hold of Perez unless the end of this season goes horribly wrong, horribly wrong. And not just Monza, like nearly every race. I think they keep Perez in that seat for 24. And I think they have a real decision to make about 
Alpha Tauri. I, I think it depends on how well Liam Lawson goes. I, they only brought Daniel Ricciardo back in to, to see what he can do. And at the moment, they haven't got any evidence one way or the other about whether it's the old Daniel Ricciardo or whether it's this newer Daniel Ricciardo from the McLaren days. Realistically, though, I think they have to... Alpha Tauri, we know the position of that team. We know why it exists. We know it's there as a, um, a bit of a conveyor belt for Red Bull. We don't like it but that's why it exists. With Daniel Ricciardo, you don't truly know the potential yet. He could be very good. He could be his old days, Daniel Ricciardo, but you don't know yet. Liam Lawson, again, there's potential there, but we don't know how well that's going to go. The one, Yuki Tsunoda, I feel like is maybe in a vulnerable position here in that we kind of know exactly what Yuki Tsunoda is at this point. Now, I think he's had this season the best season of his career so far, but I think you're pretty, I think everyone knows now where he is and it's not, it's not Max Verstappen. And I would probably argue it's, it's not Red Bull. I don't think that's ever going to happen. In which case, even if the gambles of Liam Lawson and Daniel Ricciardo don't pay off, there's still maybe something there with both of them. With Yuki Tsunoda, I think it's a bit more set now. So he, he might be in trouble. I don't know. I weirdly wouldn't be surprised actually again, all hypothetical, if they do keep Sergio for another year and they bring Iwasa into the Alpha Tauri team and maybe forego Yuki Sagoda and keep experimenting maybe. with Ricardo for another full season because that's another young, what, Japanese talent who who could yeah. really open doors for them. And I wouldn't be then shocked if conversations happen with Honda and Aston Martin. And that's a tough, I mean, Owasa plus uh, versus Lawson is a tough decision. They, I mean, they were, they were both in F2. Of course, Owasa is still in F2, but they were both in F2 last season. I think they were separated by seven points. Liam Lawson finished third and Owasa was maybe fifth or sixth. But I think the difference points wise between them was six or seven. So there really wasn't much. And I think they're the same age as well. So there's obviously, really not much um, between them. Owasa's impressing, very much so, this year, right? He's, he's going on to do something that Lawson currently hasn't achieved yet in that junior formula, so it might be the difference maker. All right, we're going to take our second break. We'll be doing under-pressure submissions right after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, we have got some Discord submissions, as we always do, for Under Pressure. But of course, myself and Sam have got a submission each too. 
Sam, who or what is under pressure? Uh, so I am going to go with the option that I gave last time. I'm going to give it to Liam Lawson. And I think in a positive manner, he has to seize this opportunity, not just with both hands. He needs to, you know, stop, drop and roll on top of it to make sure it really is his and only his. Um, if It's like a one-shot interview. You get to be the best self you can ever give and he may never, ever get a driving a Formula One car ever again after Monza. And I'm sure that that reality is very much in his mind, that this could be his only ever driver of an F1 car forever. So... Um, he, he didn't let himself down in Zanvor. In theory, again, in theory, Monza should be simpler, easier on the weather, and has less corners. So hopefully... The last point's definitely true. <laughs> it does have less corners. And I would, I would argue that the Alpha Tauri is, you know, slightly better in a straight line than it is around a very technical circuit. So... Um, Maybe he can make something of it. And I hope he does. I hope Red Bull are put in a really difficult position coming into the season of what do we do with all these drivers? Because actually they've impressed us. And I think it'd be very interesting to see. So best of luck to him. Uh, I do think he's under pressure to have a proper result. There's your 11th team. They're they're actually keeping Alpha Tauri, but they're also introducing a a junior, junior program, which is the Hugo Boss team. So Beta if you, balls. If you, exactly. If you, if you impress at Hugo Boss, you get promoted to Alpha Tauri. And if you impress at Alpha Tauri, you get promoted to Red Bull. It's a three-tier system next year, guaranteed. I love that. That's It's almost like the pyramid of Red Bull. How high can you climb? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, my under-pressure submission is at their home Grand Prix. It's Ferrari. Yay! Um, look, last year, not perfect, but it was still, by Ferrari standards, pretty good. And if we're talking about the Italian Grand Prix very specifically, what could the Tifosi cheer on last year? Charles Leclerc getting pole position and Charles Leclerc finishing second place. Now, I don't know if either of those two things are going to happen this year. And, of course, the season as a whole is not going as well as 2022 did. So... They are under pressure to deliver something. I, I don't know what, but they, they need to deliver something this weekend. Realistically, if they go home without a podium, the, the Tifosi probably won't like that very much. And I, I posted this stat earlier on my on my Twitter account because I was staggered by it. I know we all know that this season's not going as well as last year did, but after two races in 2022. Ferrari had four podiums. After 13 races this year, they have three. <laughs> of course, Carlos Sainz has none at the moment, and Charles Leclerc has three to his name, but they both had. They, they had back-to-back -back double podiums to start 2022, so they could really use the result, I think. Yeah, that's a really good shout. I saw you post that and it did make, make me do a, a little gasps in Italian moment um, at just, the, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Red Bull are so much stronger than they were in comparison to Ferrari. So Ferrari have stayed still, Red Bull have improved. So there are variables there. But whilst they've stayed still, Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren, and now arguably Alpine and Williams are all starting to step forward properly they need to step forward as well. So yeah, you're right. If they're going to get a result anywhere, it's here. God damn, Alpine have one fewer podium than Ferrari this year? And they have more than Sainz, both of them. 
It's one of those where you kind of know it's true, but until you actually either say it out loud or read it, you, you don't fully comprehend how dire the situation is. Um, we do have some under pressure submissions from our Discord. We do this on every single preview throughout the season. So if you'd like to get involved and be considered for uh, being on the show, please do get in the Discord. The link is in the descripty, as it always is. There's a submissions channel in there, and we'll always do a, a notification before. Um, usually, today we did it only a day before, but we usually did it two days before we want them. Um, let's start with everyone's favourite Harry. Um, not Harry Eid. Hazza. Right, boys. Most under pressure for Monza this weekend. Well, I know it's low-hanging fruit. I know it's the easy answer, but it's Ferrari. You got like half a million to face you there, all with huge expectations. And just a word of advice, first of all, for the drivers: number one, don't bin it in the wall. Number two, for the team, when your guy comes in for a pit stop, right? And this is a wild and crazy idea, so just bear with me. Have the bleeding tyres ready. Cheers, boys. <laughs> He's a man of great ideas, as our hazard. Let's go to. We need a bit of cheer. Let's go to all good, always. Hi, Late Breaking. It's your weekly dose of sunshine on race weekend. I've got oh. two picks for under pressure. The first one has got to be you guys because my race submission wasn't picked on Sunday. So hopefully this week oh it does God. get picked. Um, the second one has got to be Ferrari. I mean, that whole tire fiasco and Leclerc's DNF. Um, they're running some weird special suit livery this weekend at their home race. So hopefully that brings them a little bit of luck because um, they need it and they'll get it together. Love you guys. Love the podcast. Bye. You know what, all good always. I, I had a bad day today before coming to this recording and you are once again injecting some lovely positivity. So you'll make it on this time, I promise. What are your thoughts on Ferrari's um, suits and livery? I got really excited because every time they do a special livery, I think it's not going to be red. And then every time it's just red with a bit of another colour on the corner, and I get really let down by it. It's, it's like... It's like predicting that Verstappen's going to win a race. It's that on bold. I'm just like, like come on, designers. You, you Ferrari have other heritage that isn't just red. And I understand that it's, you know, it's their bloodline, but there's been some fantastic Ferrari colours throughout history. They got blue one once. Ferrari yellow is oh, remember the majority so of, of the badge on Ferrari is yellow, right? There's a prancing horse behind the yellow of Ferrari. Make a yellow car just once. I just want a yellow's my favourite colour. I'd be very happy for a yellow race car to be back on the grid just once. Don't care. It's just do something more than that. Come on. I, I know we're on a tangent here, but Come on. Yeah. Um, right. Who else have we got appropriately for this weekend? Save Leclerc. Hello, everyone. I'm here to save Charles Leclerc from Ferrari prison with my under pressure submission for this week. And speaking of Ferrari prison, it's pretty hard to ignore the fact that Ferrari are now headed into their home race without any tires. Where are they? I don't know. You don't know. The strategists probably also don't know. Anyway, thanks for the best podcast ever. Bye. Is, is that four for four, you and all three of the submissions so far? Yeah, I probably should have listened to these first and then given something else. But hey, we're, <laughs> we're trialing doing these live now. So um, says a lot about Ferrari. Raw reaction. Yeah, let's see if that carries on. We've got Cycling Dave next. Hi, it's Cycling Dave. And my most under pressure for this weekend at Monza is Mercedes. Ooh, here we They're go. consistently being beat by their customer teams. 
next up to do it is probably Williams. They are starting to borrow strategies from Ferrari. And where's Lewis's contract? Oh, wait, here's a tweet. Looks like he's... Never mind. That tweet's been deleted. I guess their PR team now has some work to do. Well, thank you and join the Discord. I mean... It's, it, it potentially came out little whispers of that being another topic. Maybe Lewis Hamilton will be a naughty, naughty boy and we'll have to do an emergency podcast. I swear to God, Lewis. Don't I did um, about it. Um, I did note during Zanvor at one point, second all the way down to ninth place, were all Mercedes-powered cars. So, um, you know, they are there. I, I'm not saying that this is probably going to happen or even you know that it's a massive possibility i think it's it's very unlikely but there is a chance that one of an aston martin a williams and a mclaren could be all mercedes drive both russell and hamilton like that is a possibility um that wouldn't be a good look no speaking of one of those teams mclaren Fortunately, we've got the McLaren CEO on the line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bangers. It hasn't worked again, mate. No. Oh, I'm so sorry, bangers. That's going to have to move on. We'll move on (laughs) to Ryan. Heartbreak Hotel. Hello, lads. I'm here in my car with my under pressure for the Italian Grand Prix 2023. I'm going to go with Williams because I feel like everyone is expecting them to do well with their straight line speed. And if they don't, we'll all be a bit confused and disappointed. Take care, guys. I think that's fair. There has been a lot of hype yeah. all year around this Monza performance. And, we, you know, we discussed it first topic of the show. We are expecting a good turnout from Williams. So, yeah, very good point. Not a great look if they turn up and they finish 12th and 14th, right? Yeah. Um who else? Marine. Hi guys, this is Marine with my under pressure submission for the Monza GP. My under pressure is going to be my blood pressure. <laughs> the stewards decide to give Yuki another penalty that they won't give to others. The Russell five second penalty to penalty points. Just a racing incident, but no, we have to punish him. It's getting ridiculous at this point. So yeah, under pressure, pressure, my blood pressure. See, I can't even speak anymore. That's a yeah. very fair point. There were some inconsistencies that we didn't even get around to. Another one was um, Max Verstappen's move on Pierre Gasly. Deserved a penalty for that. Straight off the penalty. All four wheels for Gasly had to be off the track. He was lucky it wasn't grass because in that wet weather, he could bring in the wall. Yeah. We haven't seen much of it from Verstappen this year, mainly because, you know, haven't needed to because he's been that quick. But um, yeah, I thought as soon as that happened, I thought that was... Uh, didn't even get a look. Not even noted. No, not even a look at that. Finally... Sabalicious. Hello. So Monza under pressure is going to be the Monza curse. Because 10 wins in a row is a bit of a joke, isn't it? Like, get a grip. <laughs> get Someone a grip. else have some fun. Grow up. Like, has he never shared toys with his siblings? Just share some races with your mates. Or not your mates. Just Please. <laughs> please, I've had enough of this. Sure. <laughs> I liked that. Sebalicious is in despair. Well, we had plenty of nods for Ferrari in that segment. We'll move on to uh, a segment about Ferrari because uh, their head of sh- chassis, who is Enrico Cardile, has stated that the weaknesses of the 2023 car 
are crystal clear, um, which is uh, an interesting quote, as um, very recently we've also had quotes from Carlos Sainz saying basically they don't have a clue what's wrong. So they seem to be at odds here in terms of their view about whether they know or don't know what the issues with the car are. Any concerns here that there does seem to be a difference? Any concerns is polite. All concerns is the actual way of phrasing this. This is a PR disaster for Ferrari. Um, if you're head of chassis, the bloke designing the way the car works, not, not the engine, but the body of the car works, which is pretty integral to a, a, a race car or any car really says, no, we know what the problems are. We're going to fix them. 2024 is going to be fantastic. And he seems to have maybe convinced Charles Leclerc, who does believe that going into next year, they're going to have a really special car. Carlos Sainz, not convinced. Hang on, oh, Charles. Always believe in the dream. Isn't he? He's been sold a dream and he's never letting it go. Carlos Sainz, though, the man who hasn't picked up a podium uh, this season, same amount as Lance Stroll, um, you know, turns around and goes, we, we have a clue what's wrong with the car. It's all over the place. Not only is this terrible for the fact that clearly your team aren't convinced, you have issues elsewhere. And that issue is communication. We've seen that both in race day and now we're seeing it outside of race day where there is not a unified message. There's not a unified leader. There's not a unified approach to how Ferrari should appear to the public, to their stakeholders, to their fans. And if you've got someone as... And let's be real, the two most influential people of any racing team are their two drivers. You will always listen to Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz before Freddie Vass, any high-end team member, any owner is going to be heard after your two drivers. They are the stars. They're the leaders of the show. They're the people that people want to see. So when one of them comes out and goes, we ain't got a clue. We are clueless. It shows a real lack of faith, a real lack of confidence, and it tells me that they are not communicating efficiently internally. Carlos Sainz either does know what's going on and doesn't believe it and doesn't trust it, or he simply hasn't been informed and so has gone, I'm being honest, I don't think we know what's going on. And either head of chassis is lying for the public. And, you know, it's been done before. You bend the truth and go, yeah, we've got it under wraps. We know what's going on to, of course, exercise some confidence. Or he does know exactly what's going on and it's never been referred to back to Carlos Sainz, which makes me very much worrying about the relationships internally. So either way, this is not a good look for Ferrari. It is very, very imagine being if you and me tweeting on the same day, I ain't got a clue what's going on with the podcast in the future. And you go, everything is handled with the podcast. We know exactly what's happening. The listeners of this show are going to either go, well, Sam, you're a moron. Yeah, yes, you know, it's quite common. Uh, We're quite successful. Um, You know, the the listeners will go, well, a bit weird that Sam hasn't got a clue of what goes on with his own business and Ben's saying he does, or there's a real other problem going on. So this is a little bit of a disaster with whatever way you're looking at it, I think. Yeah, I... (sighs) I imagine here that Carlos Sainz and Cardile are talking about slightly different things in the, and I could be completely wrong with this. My thinking here is that Cardile is saying, we know what's wrong with the car and we know how to fix it for 2024. Whereas I think Carlos Sainz might be approaching it a little bit more as a, we don't know how to fix it on this 2023 car because that's apparent, right? The 2023 Ferrari is realistically no better now than it was at the beginning of the season and it does seem to be a race by race situation but you know they had one or two encouraging results earlier in the year that 
they didn't have at Zambor. So I, I don't think the car has realistically got better or worse throughout the year. And I think that's maybe what Carlos Sainz is referring to to say, we just don't know how to improve this car. And I think Cardillion might be saying, we know what's wrong and we know how to address it on the 2024 car. So that might be where the disagreement's coming from. I don't know on that. Um, we know that Ferrari abandoned their own side pod design for this season, um, which, you know, they probably won't get, they won't get the benefits of that until next season, probably. Um, you know, they they discovered actually maybe Red Bull do know something that we don't know about side pod design. We'll, we'll go and copy them, which might be the smartest thing that Ferrari's ever done in their life. Um, I think the problem for Ferrari this year well, it's very difficult to say a problem for Ferrari. One of the many problems for Ferrari this season has been there's just so many weaknesses with that car to the point where the operating window is so slim. So we know that the Ferrari doesn't deal well with high wind. It doesn't deal very well with high deg circuits. We know it doesn't do very well on harder compound tires. It generally does a bit better on the softer sort of C5, C4 compounds. When you add all of these together, there aren't many weekends where you can realistically expect them to be very good. Certainly, you know, you've got Azerbaijan. They they did a good job there. Charles Leclerc had pole position and a podium. Austria, Charles Leclerc was pretty good there. Belgium, Charles Leclerc got a podium. There, there have been one or two encouraging results this year, don't get me wrong, but the problem is they only seem to come about once every four races because the other three, there's something wrong that means that they can't they can't have the success. Whether that is strategy or whether that is, you know, deg being too high or whether it is it's a windy circuit and it's exposed to the elements. What You can't have all of these things that if one of them is out of kilter that just affects pace for the entire weekend. We've seen Red Bull turn up. It doesn't matter what the situation is. They are quick. Fast circuit, slow circuit, a lot of high-speed corners, a lot of straights, rain, sunny, mixed. Doesn't matter. Red Bull are good wherever they go. Ferrari, on the other hand, it just seems like they've got like a 10-point checklist. If all 10 of those are ticked off, they're good. The problem is at most weekends, at least one of them isn't going to comply. Before we go for our final break, it's time for an F1 fantasy update. And it's still the same first position that it was before the summer break. So it's Albon wrong, or it's Albon wrong, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Still first place, doing very well. Create a bit of a gap well over second place as well. Yeah, impressive. But of course, we also want to give a shout out to... Um, the winner for the the race for for Zandvoort in particular, which was Taken Da Piastri. Great name, great name. Um, congratulations to you, whoever you might be. Uh, and then a quick update on the three slash four of us. So um, I managed to climb up a little bit. I think I was maybe fiftieth or so before the summer break, and now I'm thirty fifth. So made a, made a bit of a gain there. Sam, you are just outside the top 300, 303 at the moment. That's, I, I'm, I'm being a 303 are great. We like tight jeans and we make girls go, woo, woo. That's <laughs> like very old reference. Oh, you just set them up, don't you? Um, right. That Harry, was very good. Sorry, Ben. I don't want to let that go. I, I, yeah. That was very, very good. That, thank you. 
But yeah, I, I was I was hoping you might just uh, clean onto that. Um, <laughs> Harry's three hundred eightieth. So of the three of us, he's last. But he is still narrowly beating out our Brexit bottomless brunch beef friend who is 415th. Oh, beef, you suck. I thought Harry was bad, but you suck. She was so confused as well. She was like, this is the best weekend I've had. And she still dropped positions or didn't make up as much as she'd hoped. I, what's going wrong? I'm, sh- I'm going to be really openly honest here, folks. This is currently my team, right? And I don't know what more I could do. Verstappen, right? Alonso, Norris, Piastri, Albon, with Red Bull and McLaren on my teams. I do not know what more I could do at this point. I'm trying to remember what my team... My team currently is Verstappen, Perez, Alonso, Piastri, Sonoda with Aston Martin and Red Bull as the teams. Brilliant. There you go. Um, yeah, good luck to anyone going into Monza. If you do want to join as well, um, the link to do so is... Well, actually, the link is in the description, but if you're any good, don't join. If, if you're doing really bad, feel free to join. But if you're doing really good, it's just going to knock us down more positions. Just don't don't worry. You're good. Yeah, my aim is top 300. I'd like to not be bumped off further. <laughs> uh, we'll take our last short break. F1 overrated, underrated is on the other side. No one's aim has ever been to be in the top 300 in their life. If you're in the top 300 people in the world at being a good person, I think you've done all right. I'd like to be in the top 300 people of being a good person. I like that idea. <laughs> Okay, folks, F1 overrated, underrated. The soundboard worked for me on the under pressure submissions. Is it going to be a second time lucky? Let's find out. Overrated, underrated. What answers do we give? What way will they go? Overrated, underrated. What a week, shoes come and see the show. Overrated, underrated. I think that theme tune is underrated. I feel the second half is. The first half is just all out of sorts. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's I think it's not too far off back and forth. I, I think Harry just realised the second half basically works and was like, oh, I can't be bothered to touch the first half. That's fine. Yeah, fair, fair. Very old now, but a lot of these jingles are very old now, um, but they are classics, as you say. F1 overrated, underrated. Very simple concept. Three things they can be drivers circuits corners can be absolutely anything um, and we'll just say whether they are currently overrated whether they are currently underrated or if we want to be harry eden sit on the fence we can say they are somewhere in the middle rated is the lesser used middle option let's start with this um, this is starting to become a bit more common as we get into the latter parts of this season the fp1 rookie um, practice rule. Um, I don't know what the best way to say that is, but do you think it's underrated or overrated in its current format? I think it's overrated. Um, I I think from a 
a viewer's point of view. Now, of course, I'm not sat there behind the data desk being an analytical advisor for a Formula One team. So they'll be seeing a lot of things that we don't get to see. But from a viewer, from a spectator, from a fan, a lot of the time I don't see a lot of them. So they don't get any more exposure than they maybe would have done in, you know, winning a season of something else or whatever it might be. I also don't think because it's a comp- it's not a competitive session, it's very hard to know if they've actually done well or not because you could do a glory run on a set of softer compound tyres than everyone else and it might throw you up the timetable. But if everyone else has done race runs with 50 laps of fueling and you did a qualifying run, then all right, you look great there, but the teams will know. They'll know the difference. So I just think it's really difficult to actually stand out and make any kind of impact on your potential Formula One career in its current format. I, th- I I agree with everything you've said there. And I found this one difficult because I've actually gone underrated, but I've compared it directly to what we have right now. So if, if the alternate is it doesn't exist whatsoever and it's just the 20 drivers as we get on a Sunday going around every single practice session, I do think it's underrated because I think it's better than nothing. But I am in agreement with you that if you were to present a different option to me that goes above and beyond what we've got at the moment... I'd almost certainly take that as well. So underrated, but actually I'd like to see it expand even further because as we've established, FP1, there's too much practice time for drivers these days. I'd almost, I know it's only two um, mandatory sessions so far in a season, which one in every 12 races or so, it's not really much, is it? I, I would just expand it out way further. Wild card option. Each team is allowed to bring in a third car for one race of the season and it has to be their rookie driver. As in they they race the whole weekend? Yeah, but with three cars. Like each team has to pick a weekend to use their third car. Ah, uh, not for me. Chaos already. <laughs> My... My OCD of having the same number of drivers for every single race just couldn't cope with that. It would be exciting for sure, but my OCD was just, it's just telling me, don't even consider it. Understandable. There's a lot of issues that we haven't got into. Anyway, moving on. Pierre Gasly, overrated or underrated? Um, I think he's still a bit underrated, you know? Um, I think that people aren't giving him enough time to settle into this Alpine team. You look at just how well he drove at Zambor. And I think that was the first time in Alpine I've looked at him and gone, that's the Pierre Gasly that was in the Alpha Tauri two years ago, that was coming fourth place regularly in an Alpha Tauri that won my driver of the season. I really do think that people look at him and go, he's a, he's a lesser Carlos Sainz or something like that. I genuinely think that on his day, He's better than Carlos Sainz. I think he sits slightly above him in... That's how much I rate Pierre Gasly. I really do think he's underrated, especially in the public eye. I think people love him as a character, but as a driver, I think people sometimes put him lower than Esteban Ocon. And I think he's better. Fair enough. Um, I, I think it's come back around in that I thought he was underrated. And then after a certain amount of time in the Alpha Tauri, I think he became overrated. And it's almost come back to underrated, I think. So I have settled on a little bit underrated. Uh, admittedly, if I if I was ranking Ocon, Gasly and Sainz, I probably would put him third of those three. But I, I, I would also argue it's marginal 
I don't think there's much between those three drivers. Um, but yeah, I, I think you you've certainly got a point about Zanvoort because he he won both of our driver of the days um, for the Dutch Grand Prix. In that it was almost the first sign of of that driver coming out. Um, you know, not that he's been awful so far this season. He's been pretty okay at most Grand Prix, but here he really put on a clinic of how to defend the position against signs, um, ironically, um, earlier in the race. And he just held his nerve very well towards the end of the Grand Prix. So even if his pace wasn't outright brilliant, he did what he needed to do to secure the result. So, yeah, I, I think he's a little bit underrated. I already know what your answer is to this next one. Ascari, the corner, not the driver. <laughs> Weirdly, I knew you were going to put this in overrated and underrated. I guess I had a hunch. Um, Ascari, the corner, not the driver. Uh, we, uh, folks, if you've listened to this podcast a long time, you'll know that it is my favourite corner in Formula One. I think it is such... Monza is such a test for cornering because obviously you set the car up in such a straight line speed element and that corner is such a tough transfer of weights. You've got to manage the speed. The curbs are tricky. There's grass and gravel on either side. Um, the exit is just as important as the entry because you've got such a massive straight afterwards. I think it is so underrated as a corner. I think people really look at it and go, it's a chicane you can kind of half cut. And I think that's because people play it on the, play, the, the game and go, ah, you know, not that hard. Whereas I think in real life, especially in the wet, it's really difficult to get right. Um, and I think you see a lot of accidents at Ascari for that exact reason. You see a lot of people going off and making mistakes. Um, and I think Monza is still one of the greatest tracks of all time. And I think Ascari is the greatest corner on that track. So yeah, I think huge underrated. I really don't think people give it the credit it deserves for, you know, especially when you're around that many famous corners. I think Ascari doesn't get a great rep for what it is. As you mentioned, this... This is a corner that has pretty much has always been your favourite and you've always been quite vocal about it. And I think a few years ago, I was of the opinion that it was a very good, maybe even great corner, but not pretty not in my top 10. But I think as time has gone on, I have gravitated more and more to your opinion on this because you, you, for all the reasons that you gave, there's no point in me re- repeating it. It is a corner with jeopardy. It is a corner that is difficult to to set up for because of it really being the only corner like that on the circuit. And it is an absolute test of a of driver skill. Um, it's still not my absolute favourite, but it probably would get into my top ten now, if not maybe even my top five of corners um, on the F1 calendar. It really is great. So um, I'm gonna at least for me, do a complete hat-trick of underrated. Uh, underrated for me as well. I love that. Maybe as a off-season topic, we should run through our top 10 greatest corners of all time. That's a weird list to have, but I imagine we could formulate it. I'm trying to think what my favourite corner is now. Um, it, it might st- it might be Stowe, but it's, yeah, that might that might be a debate for, for the off-season. It's a good thing we've just had that. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep that for the winter. Um, I tell you, I've really enjoyed that segment, but I don't think, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it as much as this segment, which is of course, the LB question of the week. Week. Uh, that was a, yeah sorry Harry actually um, got in touch with me just to say what his line always and, and he just put weak so ah. I, I, yeah 
Good stuff. Um, so our question of the week was related to the Dutch Grand Prix, um, and it was, instead of getting ready for Charles Leclerc's pit stop, as would have been a good idea, what were the Ferrari mechanics actually doing? Um, I'm going to come out with my favourite one straight away because I want to read it out because it might be one of my favourite answers to a question of the week ever. And that was from uh, Jordan, Jordan Liss. Yeah, on, on Instagram. Uh, playing F1 back and forth, the category, Ferrari's trashing execution errors since 2022. There were 126 right answers. So it was a long game. And it... When I first read it, it sent me. I was like, that is brilliant use of real F1 banter and, of course, the podcast. And I, it's a brilliant marriage. And I thought it was fantastic. It, I tell you what, it is absolutely the best answer out there. I had that written down as well. It did give me an idea, and I want to float this. Not just yourself and Harry, but we'll extend, you know, we'd extend it out to a few others as well, maybe five, six people. Imagine like a massive jumbo game of F1 back and forth where there are like, maybe not 126, but where there are like 60 or 80 correct answers and there's something on the line, like a prop, not as part of a, a podcast segment, but like a, a bit of a bigger video, maybe. Maybe something to do with the live show. Maybe, maybe. Um a couple, at least, that caught my eye as well. Um, young Yosef, who, as always, yeah, brilliant. great answers to these. Um, wait, waiting for Harry to show up um, to two consecutive podcasts, which is pretty funny given he's not here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you've picked a great time for that one. Um, Reed Lawson said, watching Big Shack highlight videos. That's what we spend our week doing, so I totally understand. Uh, one that really made me laugh for us from, uh, I'm sorry if I get this name wrong, uh, Dakalote. Um, they said they were checking, which I thought was, you know, again, a brilliant use of Formula One banter. Love that. A few on that. Yeah. Liam, Liam Baker was another one who had that same answer. Very good. Very good. Um, Miss Kamek said buying tickets for the live event in Austin. If you didn't know, folks, we're in a live show. We sold out big time. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, what else? Oh, um, on Twitter, this one from John um, saying, this was savage, writing Freddie Vass's P45, which um, American equivalent equals pink slip. But that was, um, that was a bit brutal. I thought pink slips are what you raced for when you were a new car. Have I just been watching too much Fast and Furious? <laughs> too, too much Dominic Toretto. Um, yeah. I, I believe it's a pink slip. If, if you're Banging. if you're being made redundant, I think you're giving your pink, pink slip, but it could be wrong. This is very very old. In the film Greece, um, when Danny races the the bad guy whose name I can't remember, but I'm sure my partner who's listening through the wall will remind me uh, later on. Um, they come up and go, "You want to race for pinks?" And it was always like you know the ownership of the car. So. Who knows? Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe you get your P45 and they take your car off you as well. Um, what else did I like? Um, Craig on Twitter as well said, a, a techno dance party with the Zamvort lion mascot. Yeah, I mean, the lion mascot may as well have been the pit engineer at that point because he was doing as much hard work as they were. Um, I am at said they're out for a bag of chips. I mean, clearly, they were all wet at the burger van. 
send themselves for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One that really made me laugh and I've, oh, I've scrolled away from who said it. So I'm so sorry. Can I find it? Really? Yes. Uh, brand TNCO said they were playing poo skicks with their suspension rods. Now, which made me laugh because also sure. equally, I think that's the item that I had an absolute barney over when I was watching it. You can see the video, I think on Twitter of me going, yeah, yeah. Why is this man holding a blue stick? That is not helpful when you need a tire, bring a wheel out. He's just holding a stick in his hand for 30 seconds. They were just shouting, oh, grab the wet tires. What? Which ones are the wet tires? The blue ones. And he just saw the first thing, it was blue. Yeah, that'll be it. Just blue stick. Yeah. Um, last shout from me, uh, and this one again was mentioned by a few people, but at least on Instagram by Loz Loz Loza. Went out for sandwiches. <laughs> it's a very niche LB reference, that is. It really is. Um, I always think anyone who's just seen this, seen one of our Question of the Week posts as like the first LB post they've ever seen must be like, what? I am not becoming part of this community. No chance. Oh, hold on. Ben, hold on. There's, there's, a, there's a riddle on Mercedes' Twitter page. Oh. oh, oh, they've mugged us. No, they've mugged us off. I've done the whole thing. It just says it's race week. I fell for it. Oh, they've sent me for an absolute bag of chips. Have they done you? They did. Everyone in the comics got me thinking it's Lewis's contract extension. It, it's got one of those things. It's like, look in the bottom left corner. Look in the top right corner. Oh. Look on Lewis. And it all goes to it's race week. And I just, yeah, I'm oh. coming for you, Mercedes. You've absolutely sent me live on the podcast. Just wait until next Tuesday, if you wouldn't mind, Mercedes. That'd be really kind. Um, <sighs> all right, that'll do it for question of the week. Thank you very much to everyone um, for submitting their answers on both Instagram and on Twitter. Usually post these out on a Monday, late afternoon, evening UK time. So uh, stick around. We always do them. So just stick around for the next one. And if you think of something funny, let us know. And you might get a shout out on the pod. I think that's going to do it. Um, two podcasts at the weekend, obviously. We've got our qualifying review on the Saturday and our race review on the Sunday. Sam, if you wouldn't mind, though, until then, getting us out of here. Yeah, folks, do get involved in all the action, both throughout the weekend and, of course, the question of the week. That is Late Breaking F1 on all of your social medias, wherever you get it. Uh, Twitter, a slash X, Instagram, and if you're down with the kids, TikTok. Also, if you want to go back and watch the race reviews in video format or other videos that we're doing, we have got the Yub Tubs, and you can subscribe right there. Make sure you stick around, please. We're trying to grow that. That really could be a, a moneymaker for us, and we're trying to do this full-time. I, I, we keep saying it, but we are trying to go full-time with this, and YouTube money does matter help if we can grow it um, that's like breaking f1 as well speaking of patrons available you get extra content two episodes a month extra with no ads included and bill with breaking which is a fun video from the three of us where we get a little bit tipsy it just taught life and all sorts of things um discord's link in the description over two thousand people chatting in there and we will of course see you on saturday for our qualifying review in the meantime i've been samuel sage and i've been ben hocking and remember keep breaking late I wonder if Harry will turn up to this weekend's. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.